One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Hello listeners and welcome back to yet again another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. As ever, I'm your host Budge, joined by my faithful co-conspirators Dot and Dej. Gents, it's been a while since we've been in the studio. Feeling good, back on uh, top form. How are we doing today? Very well, thanks Budge. 100%. How about you Dej? How are you feeling? Very, very happy. It's a sunny day outside. This is it. We've got a great guest. So, you know, <laughs> it keeps getting better and better. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. 100%. This is one that we've been planning and has been in the works for a little while. And we're very, very happy to finally get it over the line. Um, and as I said, of course, we're back in the studio as well. So it feels it feels right. As you said, they're just a lovely day. <laughs> we are joined by a very well-esteemed guest. Now, of course, we know the UK are very well known for their German exports from cars to beer and all the rest of it. I might be biased, of course, being an Arsenal fan. But for me, this just this uh, gentleman, this special guest is certainly up there amongst the best German uh, imports uh, of, of the UK. <laughs> Can't he, argue is, that. he is he is, uh, you know, a, a World Cup winner. You know, I think it's the first time we've had uh, the opportunity to interview a World Cup winner. Um, and is also part of a very elite group of men who have been able to amass 100 plus apps for Germany. I think there's only 12 people that have, have done that and he's uh, in and amongst it. Of course, he's won uh, the treble in terms of uh, FA Cups for Arsenal and is currently the manager of the academy. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome Perma Asaka to the platform. Welcome, welcome, per. welcome, welcome, per. welcome, per. welcome per. Thanks very much, man. I got red, you know, during this intro. It was lovely, honestly. I, I wanted to like the shirt here, man. <laughs> I wanted to use another um, phrase uh, on the pod, uh, per, but because we're family friendly, yes. instead of saying the yeah, the BFG, I'm going to say the big friendly, friendly German. German yeah. <laughs> but thank you for coming on the platform. We we really appreciate you taking out the time to speak with us. Yeah. 
yeah, thanks for having me. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward, man. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. 100%. Right, Dej, let's, kick, let's get things going and kick us off. Yeah, so usually we like to speak to guests about their journey in the game, but I think let's maybe talk about what you're doing now as manager of the Arsenal Academy. What is your role in terms of day-to-day? Because sometimes titles can be loaded and they've got a generic you know, meaning. But if you could just explain to us what you do, we would appreciate it. Yeah, um, yeah, I've been doing my new job for three years now. You know, I've stopped my career, stopped my playing career uh, three years ago and been the academy manager for three years. Um, I started the job um, because people had faith in me, basically. Did, um, did I know what was in front of me? Probably not. You know, I've never done this job before. Uh, never never has had to do any interviews before to get into that job. But what I do know after learning a lot from a lot of staff and players actually is setting out the vision for the academy and influencing uh, around 70 plus staff and 150 players, you know, in the academy within 10 teams. So, um, and within my job, obviously, um, I have to I have to manage staff um, to get the best out of youngsters. And myself, I want to be a role model and around players, staff, parents, all the stakeholders to make sure, you know, we, we build up the next generation of people and players that are equipped for, for life, basically. So, um, that is the beauty of an explanation. But obviously, <laughs> day to day, um, I'm going to start pretty early here at Colney at our training base where the first team is within our 23s and 18s group. And then there's another section, uh, you know, well known as the Hayland boys, you know, who yeah. start their journey at under nine players until under 16, where I then most of the times go in the evenings and check the scenes, um, whether we, we can keep up the qualities that we promise to deliver, basically. You know what, you mentioned the Hell Embers. So how proud does it make you feel when you see the next one coming through? Mm. For example, we've seen Flo Belogan, you know, yeah. on a long-term deal and, you know, he's been promoted to the first team. So how, how, how proud are you when, you when you see one of the youngsters get into the first team? I think, um, first of all, you know, we, we're, we're trying that they really feel proud of themselves, you know. Arthur Concord just been promoted, Flo Balogun and then the likes of Emil and Bukayo, who have been who have been massive for the first team and projects you know like we had with Joe Joe Willock I think he was on a podcast here as well yeah and, yeah, yeah and then yeah. the likes of um, even Ainsley Mate and Niles who have been and Reese Nelson who have been part of the academy since pre academy six since seven eight years old and then started their journey at, at under nine is extremely proud to have su- such good role models, you know, for our youngsters that they are a true inspiration, you know, for the game of football, for so many people, for our graduates, but for our people as well here in the academy. I mean, but these are not the only one, you know, I always, you know, gather the fact that, you know, we have so much more success stories, you know, and I don't want to narrow it just down to, to these six, seven individuals because they are the, the one or two percent actually who started their journey at under nine level. So we want to make sure and have the responsibility for all of them, you know, to give them a really great positive experience that they can learn alongside football, all the important life skills, you know, to be successful because the journey gets tougher and tougher throughout the age groups. And uh, to narrow it down to, to, to have a Bukayo Saka is a really proud moment. And, and we love him because he wants to give back to the next generation. Um, but there are others who reach the professional football game as well or do well in other businesses. And that's what we are proud of as well. 100%. Now, of course, Pert, 
you know, bringing through young players to the first team is something that has been ingrained in the Arsenal fabric for years and years and years. You know, you go back over decades and you can see that has been a consistent theme. I wonder if, um, and maybe you could shed some light into it. Is there, you know, when you look at, you know, the, the strategy of the club, is there like a quota or a percentage um, that is a target for number of um, players that graduate from the academy into the first team? I know, for example, the Premier League, say, might have a quota of homegrown players that need to be in the first team. But as, as, a, as a club, is there like a, a target that, that you guys have that you want to see graduate to the first team every few years or every year, so on and so forth? Yeah, I think there's a quota, which is important for us to have certain targets, right? If the quota is, for example, one player, you know, every second year, you know, migrates into the first team, that is something, you know, that is that is of high standards, you know. But, you know, with, with numbers, it's always pretty difficult, you know, to, to narrow that down. So our ultimate goal is, you know, to make them really equipped, you know, for whatever happens, because they could, the business case within the academy is obviously, you know, multi-million pound player that's the reality you know of a Bukayo Saka that we that we're achieving but as well creating value in the footballing market for for other players you know who go on different journeys you know we have mm-hmm. seen just recently last summer Mark McGuinness Zach Medley these likes of players who go to different journeys and and hopefully do well and generate money for ourselves you know that that is the business case for the academy obviously we, we're not speak too much about it because we want to take our responsibility really serious, you know, and make sure that we create better people by doing that. Actually, you know, we will, we will all enhance the business side of things. So yeah, there is a quota that is in, in the drawer. We get it out sometimes, but it's not. (laughs) And if we look at at something, we look sometimes three year average, you know, on appearances, on minutes within the first team, if we can keep continue thriving for these kind of numbers, these Uh types. So it, it needs to be realistic as well, you know. So we're not getting just judged on a season. It is more like looking three to five years, you know. What, mm. what money has been generated from, from the academy? What minutes have been generated in the Premier League, actually? Mm-hmm. Because that's ultimately where our focus lies. That we get less, let's say, less points for the FA Cup, the Carabao Cup. Mm. <laughs> also, there is... or. Yeah. If, if a, a, a youngster is longer within the first team, obviously, you know, the percentage we get accounted for get less and less and less because the development continues, you know, for, mm. uh, for the likes of, I go back to Alexi Bobi even, you know, yeah. he, he generated a huge amount of money, you know, for the first team. And, and if you look back, yeah, he, had, he has been years in the academy, then had a good spell of development in the first team as well. Where do you account that money for? You know that. Mm. So there are. We're trying to be as consistent as possible, but it's not always like okay, uh, easy to to narrow down to. Let's say we're going to produce one player from from Highland. You know, every second year into the first team. Yeah, you've spoken a lot. You've mentioned it a few times so far during this podcast. Players and people. Yeah. How important is it that you develop people? Because I remember seeing maybe like an article towards the back end of your career when you were talking about the magnificent pressure that you face playing football. So is there modules that get introduced into the academy programme where dealing with being under the spotlight? So like, for instance, Flo Belogan, he's recently broken into the first team, played against Brentford, whole spotlight is on him. Would he be equipped with the necessary tools 
in case of, you know, the social media spotlight being spotted out and about, people taking pictures, people invading his um, private life. Yeah, I was never exposed to that. So I'm very, very lucky. You know, when I had, when I started my career, you know, I had a, yeah, a bunch of journalists, you know, getting around me. You know, but, <laughs> and I was, I was just thrown into the deep end that side. I could fairly well cope with it, you know, when I was 18, 19. But nowadays, when you are 13, 14, you, know, you, you get into the world of social media, you know, you kind of do keepy uppies 20 times and you are the next superstar, you know, <laughs> that, that, that creates expectations, you know, that, that needs dealing with, you know, so, and obviously we, we, we have a, a, a team of coaches or a team of, of player care where we consider, you know, what kind of education do we need to give to, to players, to parents, to, to help them with their expectations. But that starts with to, to get rid of, to try to get rid of that burden of, you know, making it as a footballer because every under nine player thinks and the parent think they're going to be the 1% that make it. I can tell them as much as I want, you know, these are the stats, you know, which I bring always up fairly consistent that there's a chance that, you know, four out of five academy players are out of the game by 21, by the year of 21. You know, so is that kind of bringing that narrative, you know, to the equation that the burden gets less heavy in terms of getting released from the game of football. And alongside that journey, we're, we're trying to educate and do workshops on, on anything, financial issues, agents, um, the pressure that comes within. We have uh, psychologists working for us who then, you know, deal with similar situations where performing under pressure is a huge deal you know, for, for mm. every single player that comes through it. And everyone deals with it in a different way. But we need to make sure that they, they express or they, they have the, the right tools for themselves, you know. Whatever happens, that there's a situation that they can deal with. But obviously, our main focus is to help everyone to find themselves, really, you know. Everyone wants to do it. And everyone sees the beautiful picture of being a professional player. And social media helps with that picture. That is everything is beautiful. I know, obviously, I know what it can give me, but what it takes away as well at times. So Flo Balogun, obviously, he's been part of the system for such a long time, has played magnificent, scored so many goals in 18s, 23s level, uh, checker trade games. However, the next level, you know, to be elite, you know, in the first team dressing room and to challenge for a spot is another one he needs to deal with. So, you know, by saying, yeah, have we prepared him for that? Yeah, we tried. But actually, the situation that he will face now, getting 10, 15 minutes, you know, in the first team and trying to make an impression, you know, that pressure, that is totally different than what he has felt before. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to make a good job. However, um, going through these new narratives now within the first team, hopefully we have helped him to develop, you know, some skills that he can use now in totally different new situations. Do you almost see this as a natural progression in your own career? Because when I used to watch you play for Arsenal, you were a dominant centre-back, leader at the back. When you were in that back line, I always felt that Arsenal were secure defensively because, you know, you had leadership skills, you had great qualities in commanding the defence. And do you almost think that this is being the natural progression for you that you may go into management and then potentially becoming an actual club manager later down the line. Is that something you've always <laughs> been into? Yeah, I thought coming to the Premier League was a huge challenge for me, you know, where 
um, especially my first year, I made a lot of mistakes, man. I was falling down. I was stumbling. Man. I, was, I was, I was, I was losing a lot of duels, and you know. And then, you know, what did I do? And I was, and I was German international. I had seventy caps already, so I was in the twenty six. Why do you think that was though? Was it? What's it's different the about the English game? It's just, yeah, it's just the speed and the physicality. It's just different. You know, where you thought in, in Germany I would get around and just move my body bits and pieces, you know, in England, you know, I remember it, it wasn't it wasn't good enough, you know. So I had to, you know, get my game up to speed quite, quite quickly. I mean, the, the beautiful thing about Arsene Wenger was he would just was constantly encouraging me. You are intelligent enough. You will learn from it. You know, when <laughs> we just conceded because of me. But this these pressure moments, you, you got to sustain and you have to good mentors and leaders around you, you know. Who you learn from basically mm-hmm. so um so and then you know seven years later from the entry point uh Arsene Wenger and Ivan Gazidis at that time you know drove that to and asked me if I want to first if I want to stay at the club that was the first intention I think what helped that uh that the year before Mikel Arteta actually left to Man City and I think they didn't want to lose another player who could make difference in their mind and I think um, Mikael said actually to them that, you know, if you don't want to lose a good person again, you know, just <laughs> offer offer this guy something. So actually, mm-hmm. Ars- Arsene drove it, asked me if I want to stay at the club. Obviously, I asked my wife, who's obviously... <laughs> She's the boss. <laughs> so the government didn't agree. Yeah, we want to stay in, uh, in England, actually. Um, we are settled after seven years. And then, and then they offered me the job, actually. Um, it's a bit overwhelming, actually, you know, I have to say there are a lot of experienced academy managers that I've met throughout my time now. And um, I just went, my motivation was basically that, yeah, I've seen academy players going into the first team dressing room. And I thought to myself, yeah, I, I could probably make a difference here to prepare them a little bit better, you know, to mm. what is required to achieve the highest level and not to think that, you've achieved everything when you are in the first team dressing room is how do you challenge mm-hmm. and the status quo? How do you ask questions and challenge people who have been successful for 10, 12, 15 years? I haven't mm-hmm. seen that. And I, and I thought, let, let's make sure when, when I do this, I have this constantly in my mind. What I've seen is good, you know, n- not a knock. We at Arsenal Academy has always been great in producing players, but I said to myself, yeah, I want to make a difference. I want to take this series. And I thought, I thought Arsene knew what he would get, you know, from me in terms of commitment, you know, for a job that I don't know, but I was, I, I was willing to learn from day one. Mm. So what type of character were you in the dressing room? Because you've mentioned Mikko Arteta, who's now obviously a manager yourself, who Dot said, or as he said correctly, that you were very, you had a personality on the pitch. You were very, you were a leader. So yeah. what sort of, attributes do you think Arsene Wenger saw in you apart from those to make you stand out to be the head of academy yeah I think resilience first and foremost I think he has seen me you know struggle you know be successful but struggle at times as well where I was able to learn from my mistakes and and, and adapt basically I think he saw me as an adaptable person that could um, uh, cope quite well with that scenario with that challenge and he probably 
sport as well that I have the reputation. You, you mentioned, you know, being a world champion helps sometimes, you know. And I thought to myself, <laughs> and I thought to myself okay, that, that's fine with me, you know, but that only that reputation, you know, keeps you in a job for two years, you know. <laughs> you so I thought, yeah, that keeps you in a job for some time, but you need to back it up with content, you know, with presence. And I thought, um, I, I think he saw someone who has got the presence as well, you know, not only in, 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 in because of my overview and my being tall and being a communicator. I thought he, he, he thought I could lead um, a dressing room, but as well, I could lead staff. I could lead, you know, a group of people um, who would then motivate it and get the best out of themselves, you know, to, to influence kind of the next generation of players. I think um, that's what he thought. And um yeah, I think my seven years helped him massively. And I have to remind myself, you know, I had a heavy injury in my, in my first year in February where I almost didn't get back from. And um, I worked quite hard to come back from that. And initially had a couple of good seasons where you rightly said we had a, a back-to-back FA Cup win where I then extended my contract. And that probably led to the fact that I got offered the job and still have it to, to this date and, and kind of survived as well the changes that was made subsequently after. But my responsibility is to live on the legacy that Arsene left um, within the club that, you know, I, I, I try to fulfill them every single day. And it, and it keeps kind of reminding me these moments of, you know, how much of a leader he was in, 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 in circumstances where I struggled, you know, mm-hmm. where I try to get off you know offside a bit you know I remember you know when just before the FA Cup final in 2017 you know I I didn't play any part in the season basically I was injured the whole year and five weeks before the end of the season I said to Arsene Arsene listen set me on holiday I'm not in the squad I'm just training here I don't see my value um, I mean, in that moment, he was pretty clear to me what my job was and how much the squad needs me, you know, and what, what is expected from me. So I was, I was pretty much put in a place, back into the place, because I had a wobble. Five weeks later, um, circumstances helped me to, to, to get on the pitch in the final. And we, that was we a performance and a half, and, by and, the way. And, and just these remind me of, of the leaders and the people, the mentors I had next to me in struggling in challenging moments. And I, I, I'm so grateful for that. So, and I recognize that a lot of kids, a lot of youngsters, they need positive role models who in the right moments when, uh, when I'm struggling, when there's a wobble, just standing by your side and just put you back in place. Um, that, that I'm, I will be ever be grateful. And these moments will always remind me on my journey to be a better leader every single day. 100%, 100%. Like I said, that was an immense performance from you in that final as well. I, I just brought up myself, right? So you didn't want to... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, Pat? I want to ask you, right? I want to ask you this question. It just came to mind now. Do you still get the bug? So, you know, like, for example, your, your uh, uh, defensive partner in Laurent Koscielny is still playing now, uh, you know, in, 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 in Bordeaux. And we're also big uh, boxing fans on the platform, right? And we've seen recently, you know, uh, boxers come out of retirement and start fighting again. Mike Tyson, Roy Jones, so on and so forth. 
So, and you're still a, a, a young chap. So, yeah. you ever same age as Ronaldo. Exactly. Do you, <laughs> ever, do you ever get that that kind of bug where you feel like, oh, I want to get back on the pitch and I want to contribute still? Or, or is is that like well and truly gone now when you're completely focused on, you know, your, your job at hand? Does it still, you still get the urge? Oh, I, I don't get it anymore. I don't know. I, um, <laughs> I had my 15 years. I had 15 years in the professional game. Um, when I retired, I was 33. Played 10 years as well from from 20 to 30 in the national team. You know, you, that was a that was a tough time as well, um, where achieved a lot, but it was always long summers, and we always reached semi-finals and finals. You know, through that time, so it was kind of. Um, I, I thought I had my time, mm. and when I stopped, I had a serious knee injury. And when I look at my kids now, I wanted to be in a position where I still could play with them mm. and, not, and not, you know, um, not having to be hesitant. But still to these days, I sometimes train with some of the groups, you know, under 18. Yeah. I'd be safer now with the under 16, 15, you know, it goes, goes lower and lower every single year. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally fine. And the transition for every professional player is, is the key here, you know. Mm-hmm. There, will, there will be a transition at some stage and I was able to manage to get a job within football. So I'm very blessed. So that, you know, these perspective reminders mm-hmm. help me really to cope with, yeah, Ronaldo's Ronaldo. You know, I'm, uh, he's, he's on his journey. I'm on my journey. I'm, I'm pretty grateful. The impact I can have now on the next generation, I'm passionate about that. And that gives me more than just feeling or, oh, yeah, I could be part of that dressing room and I would still have some banter, you know? I would still yeah. have some Drake tunes, you know, with some... So, yeah, and sometimes be really serious, you know? And sometimes, yeah. you know, I always try to give a range um, of emo- emotions, a range of characteristics that um, try to get on with people. However... Once it goes to the pitch, you know, I was that serious about, you know, what we want to achieve as, as a team. And I would um, compromise very, very little. But in terms mm-hmm. of getting on with me, I hope a lot of players, you know, would, would say that, yeah, serious German, but, you know, very efficient and getting on with people and, and trying mm-hmm. to, to mix it up sometimes as well. No, that's perfect. And I've got close friends that have worked at Arsenal and that's testament yeah. to what you're saying. They've, they couldn't speak highly of you enough, but... um in terms of youth team football right now, we'll grade Arsenal A+. But if we're to talk about the first team, like, yeah. what do you make of what we're seeing right now in terms of Arsenal's transfer window and the product that we're getting on the pitch? Yeah, massive transition going on. That's, that's what I would class it as. Um, and I think it was clear when Arsene left, um, the void that needed to be filled wouldn't get sorted in, in a couple of seasons, three, four years. Um, you always want the shortcut, you know, bang, straight back into Champions League, straight back into being successful. I think, you know, even myself, you know, realizing working now within the academy, going more long-term, developmental, I think we've seen kind of similar-ish traits, you know, in the first team, you know, and I hope that Mikel gets the time that he needs and probably um, a lot of people, yeah, yeah, are impatient. I want to be successful tomorrow. I want to go back in the Champions League tomorrow. 
I want to speak to people and say, listen, we have got the best club in the world who challenges for the title, uh, titles, you know, every single year. That's not the reality, you know. I think that the earlier we get on, you know, on the train of, you know, we, we're in a big, big transition still, you know. And uh, to have sustainable success, I think there need to be some trust. You know, I, I'm all for trusting people if Mikel Arteta and I perceive him to be the right person. That let's give him the trust and now the development squad that he can take to the next level that will achieve Champions League football maybe in two, three years. That's, that's from a club person. Um, that's, that's my take basically at the moment because I've, I've worked with Mika very, very closely. You know, I, was, I, I stood by his side when he would address the squad as captain. You know? yeah. And I was kind of his... His second right hand second man, basically, you know, learning, growing under under his leadership, you know, and I know how much he wants it. I, I know his work ethic. Um, I know, you know, how intense the squad works at the moment, you know, to get to get to a better level. Um, I think we have all to swallow disappointment at the moment, which which I'm keen to change. But you know, the environments that we're gonna deliver in the next years you know will be key for our success so i'm pretty much keen on the the work that we have been doing together for years within the first team then he went off comes back we, we're trying to do the same again you know to have a successful spell for us in the football club but the, the stakes are very very high and i understand um that there is um, a lot of criticism but some people need to absolutely swallow that and try to grow with it and um, Mikel is someone who, who does that. So what, what qualities does he bring to the table? Because when yeah. I speak to people within the game, everyone's saying, you know, this guy is going to bring Arsenal back to where they belong. Yeah. He knows the philosophy, he's got the right ideologies, he does everything right on the training ground. But when I speak to, let's say, Arsenal fans, the average Arsenal fan, they're saying, listen, this is not good enough. Like, something needs to give. So what, what, what qualities does he bring to the table? Yeah, I think... <laughs> What, what I mentioned there is obviously his, his passion for Arsenal Football Club. I think from the very first beginning when he joined, you know, from Everton, you know, it was that feeling of him, you know, with Everton going to Arsenal Football Club, they knew it's going to be tough, you know. We're probably going to lose. That was the mindset of, of someone outside coming into Arsenal. From that moment, I knew, yeah, and he wants to be part of that, you know, being absolutely dominant in what we do and playing football and how we treat each other what we stand for. So he's crucially big on that everything needs to be worked on. There needs to be an intensity around the group, on the pitch, off the pitch, you know, kind of to develop that environment that is needed to be successful. So um, that, is his, that is his key element. And then he was part of the Pep Guardiola era where he probably learned so much, you know, about how he wants to progress as a coach. I haven't been part of... Um, a team that he has coached, right? So I cannot comment on that. But what I hear from 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 people, from players that feedback to me that they are that they're on board, you know, on board what he wants to achieve, how he wants to play, and how he wants to bring us back to to where we belong. And where we belong is at least top four. And and top four means always challenging for titles. That that's the vision for the club. So. And obviously, you know, I understand. Has he delivered on that front? No, absolutely not, you know. And we're sitting in one boat. I'm trying to provide him with the best support I can to help him on that path, you know. 
with so, the best so you mean by like providing players or also like pastoral advice like this is how we can improve or yeah anything really I, i'm i'm here to support uh what i can to be uh, a really a sounding board you know in, in terms of you know in terms of his skills and his leadership you know because mm-hmm. I've, I've seen him grow you know in that element you know when he came to arsenal as a player he was regarded immediately as one of the leaders yeah we had thomas van marlen uh, robin van persie but it, when when they when they left you know it was Mikel. Even he was just in a building for a year. Bang. That was the mindset. He was regarded as someone to take responsibility, to t- take a squad into the next level. That hasn't changed for me. But what I urge everyone, you know, to, to kind of consider is, and I think um, Edu came out and mentioned it in a similar way, that we want to build a foundation with him and building foundations, you know. Um, and I had time here in the academy. I was given years, you know, build a foundation of staff and players that will kind of affect the next kind of generation. So in, in academy terms, five to 10 years, that's the cycle I'm talking about, you know. I thought it was one or two years. No, the cycle in youth football is five to 10 years. But for him, he wanted to turn it around immediately. I think we're now at the stage where we, we accept the, that we are in a transition and he wants to do it well. Believe me, he wants to do it well and wants to deliver and that's, that's in, that intensity I see in positive moments when we win, but at the moment when we're losing as well, yeah, not to, he, he knuckles down and it's really someone who embraces that criticism. So, yeah, I understand the, the, the critical views that at the moment is not good enough, mm. but he is someone who really thrives in that environment. And I, I'm here to support whatever he needs in terms of my advice on players, my advice on training, my advice on leadership. Um, he knows where I am, and that's how that's always how we how we grew alongside each other. Mm. Per, you mentioned Edu in your response just then, because and and I think that's interesting because you know we was just speaking about Mikel Arteta, yeah. Um, but also Edu has been uh, uh, you know someone that has come under some criticism from Arsenal fans, particularly with the approach to yeah. transfer window this this um, this, this you know uh, j- just recently, yeah. You obviously didn't get a chance to play with Edu like you did with Mikel to understand and see the kind of qualities that he brings. Mm. Um, But I'm interested to to know how closely you work with Edu in your role currently and and what qualities does he bring and experiences does he bring to his role uh, as a technical director of the club? Yeah, super close. I was uh, super happy when, um, when Edu came because really from the start, it felt like that we have you know, play together, actually, you know, or work together. So from the very first beginning, he gave me the ultimate trust that, yeah, he's a technical director, deals with a, with with club issues, first team issues, but on the academy side, I'm really, you know, on, on level with him, you know. I was really impressed by his openness to, to, to my role and how he sees me in the context of the... Uh, of the club I was I was not I was well impressed you know how experienced he was working for a club and the association over years so he shared a lot of knowledge actually how to evolve it and how to work closer together that we can both benefit from our expertise because there's always an eagerness you know the closer you work together on both sides academy first team club the better you, you kind of you create a kind of an energetic environment. From the first beginning, I felt that with him, 
and I felt the trust that he he had in myself to, yeah, I I myself as a leader needed to lead a change of people within the academy of players. He totally got on with it and trusted me and backed me in in every single uh, decision I made, you know, in 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 the academy. So I have to say his calmness and readiness to just support me was second to none. So I can only say that we work pretty close. We meet every week and give ourselves updates and information. He's eager to be to be seen, to be present, especially at Colney and just supports me on my right. And um, as I said, I have never felt stronger about the positions we have at the moment, you know, but as well, I recognize that there is huge pressure. But do I support Edu in those moments? Absolutely, 100%. Mm-hmm. Do I need to, does he need to sometimes then speak to me and just let lets it all out? That's my job as well, you know, because he feels like he can 100% trust me and, and gets it out because everyone needs to release that, mm-hmm. that form of pressure. You know, we always perceive, you know, leaders to be like, oh, yeah, they need to take it. They earn a lot of money. That's not how it works, man. Um, so when we suffer, suffer together, but the support is is unconditional here uh, from my side. Yeah, when I saw Edu, he came out with confidence. I like the way he strategically planned what Arsenal are doing. He was saying that, okay, if Thomas Partey and Granite are out, we want Lokonga to come in. We need time, time, time. But we live in a microwave generation and the teams at the top, Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea, even now you can say Leicester are coming into the fold, seem to be, you know, a few years ahead of Arsenal. And when I look at Arsenal over the last 10 years, they were sort of like the model club in Europe. If you say, how do you want your football club to be run? Each owner will say, like Arsenal. That seems to sort of been lost now because during the summer, some Arsenal fans have said, we lack a bit of direction. William has come in for a year, you know, said he doesn't feel comfortable, wants to leave. Granite Xhaka, he was on the verge of being sold to Roma, signs a new contract. Siad Kalasinic, he's out in the cold, comes in to play against Manchester City. So it seems a bit of a mismatch of, I don't know, maybe decision-making. So how would you sort of explain this to Arsenal fans that are sort of, they're not buying into the long-term vision? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you you could almost sense when you're not successful, then where's the vision of the club, you know? And, it, and, and if you can see Leicester, big training ground, Tottenham, big training ground, new stadium, all the things Arsenal did like 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, they are almost like matched by other clubs. And all of a sudden, you're in a position where your 20-year leader is just leaving you know, so that that was, you know, you have to you have to admit that that was probably one of the biggest challenges when COVID hit at the same time, you know, in that transition period. You know, I'm not going to blame a disease, you know, because that's that's not what what, what I'm here for. I want to I want to lead the, the lead the change, you know, lead the transition and, and stand firm in everything we do. And yeah, what happened, you see the owners more engaged than ever. They want to. They want to provide more to the public, more to the fans, be more seen. Um, that's something I think that's going to be welcomed. You know, not only by by fans, but by staff and myself. I have to say, I always been in close contact. They trusted me in a way as well. You know, to do my job. So um, I think, yeah, you you can question a lot of decisions. However, I, I would say that 
now is time to get on board and, and trust that process that we're, that we're trying to put in place. And I feel that there's real trust, you know, in the likes of Mikel, in the likes of Edu, in the likes of Mikel um, and myself, which is really, really important, I think, for the next, for the next stage. If you ever change again year after year, I don't know if that's going to work for us because we want to come back to, to a class act of Arsenal Football Club. And I know every class act will be questions when there is no success. So at the moment... He's had success as well with the FA Cup, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> True. And we, we, we tend to forget those, you know. I mean, we, we won three FA Cups in, in four years, you know, in my time, 14, 15, 17, you know. That's not achieved like this, you know. But obviously fans want to see... You know, the Premiership, they want to see the Champions League. They, they want to, they go just back on what was said at that time. And I think now is, there's some clarity now provided on how the next two to three years will look like, you know, realistically. And I think that's important as well, because on the back of what was said by the likes of previous leaders was, yeah, challenging with Bayern Munich, challenging, you know, to win Champions League. We are so far away from that. You know, realistically, and still the expectations is that. Yeah, I, I understand that. However, someone needs to change that. You know, someone needs to ch change that and and trying to make 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 an effort. Really, you know, going into the next period where you see other clubs overtaking us, but we we are here to make the effort, put the energy in, and really um, provide the excellence for for our generations and for our squad that is now here. Um, so that that's why it's a bold effort, actually. That's what I believe it is. I think, no, I was just going to say, I think just to add a flip side to what Des said, he said it seems like there's been a mismatch. But from my point of view, I think there's been a clear strategy this summer. Ben White, under 23. Aaron Ramsdale, who I watched at Sheffield United, good goalkeeper, under 23. Bakaya Saka, under 23. Emil Smith-Rowe, Flo Belogan, Eddie Nketiah. So... Yes, of course, we know that you're trying to build a project for the future. But do you feel that the current crop of players are good enough to take Arsenal into the Champions League now? Pro pro yeah, probably not. Probably not. And our, our, uh, my prime focus is on Norwich, basically, on the next couple of games. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that, that is what I've learned throughout my years, yeah. Um, now, I'm looking more long-term. Edu needs to look more long-term sometimes, you know, where he sees... Mm -hmm. We need to build a foundation for the next three to four years, I think. He especially thinks in three-year cycles. Me in Academy, I, I live in 10-year cycles now, right? <laughs> so, so, obviously, and, and Mikel needs to address the here and now, the next games are the most important for us as a football club. That's how I feel, you know? And that's what I, I want to get behind the squad because they, they basically need us, you know, to create that positivity and energy around the whole training ground. That's what our job is as well, you know, as employees and as, you know, lifelong Arsenal fans is, you know, to, to keep the energy flowing and, and really build that around the stuff here as well in the academy. Because there's there are anxieties, you know, around stuff sometimes as well. You know, what happens if we go down? You know, do I have my job next year? What happens if we're not going to reach European football? Has that an effect on employment, on staff, on numbers in the academy? So we're trying. We're trying to make sure that we we keep the positivity within within the environment of Arsenal Football Club because every staff member, every fan has got a huge part to play in this. Mm. Yeah, in football, Bill Shankly used to call it the Holy Trinity, where the manager, players, and fans all aligned. 
Here we can obviously see that the players and the manager are aligned, but there's a section of Arsenal fans that say, hmm, Edu on Arteta, this is Arteta's first managerial gig. Yeah. How can we pin all of our hopes that this is a man to, you know, transform our fortunes, lead us into the Champions League, yeah. challenge for Premier Leagues? What would you sort of say to those sort of fans that are very sceptical about what Arteta can, can do with Arsenal? Yeah, and, you know, when you look at this from this side, where you think first managerial job, Arsenal Football Club, where you hope you have people who have got absolute experience, you know, to know how to deal with, you know, these adverse moments, how to deal with successful moments, like winning the FA Cup, you know, what what the, what do we need to do the next season not to not to get deluded by that result? Um, I think... And that's some, sometimes dif- difficult to explain, but what Mikel gives you obviously is a is a hell of a lot of experience as an assistant coach, you know, under Pep Guardiola. And he wanted to make that next step. And obviously people, hierarchies, trusted him. He presented himself as someone who wants to lead us into this into these difficult moments. So I could I could I could only agree, but if I would know you know, how he reacts to difficult moments and how he wants to learn from these moments. He needs to learn fairly quickly, you know. Let's be honest, you know. He needs to learn super, super quick because in football and being a manager of Arsenal Football Club, there are there are many, many moments if you lose three games on the spin, you are in trouble. Let's be, let's be real mm-hmm. about it. You mm-hmm. cannot have more than one or two moments, you know, of, of, of this. You know, that's the reality of the game and the football club. However... If, if I understand someone who learns and wants to learn super quick, you know, from things that happen and surrounds himself with the people who have got the experience, you know, in the game of football, then it's himself and his coaching staff. So, yeah, I would, I would speak to people and get behind, you know, get behind the idea that the vision that was outlined fairly, fairly clearly and, and just, just build on that. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been speaking um, a little bit about the models deployed at different clubs and the structures of, of, of clubs and whatnot. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you, Per, is about succession planning at the club. Yeah. Um, and we'll use an example of a club that we mentioned uh, in passing recently, which was Leicester. And the fact that, of course, they've got Jamie Vardy up front, but they, they seem to have navigated succession planning quite well in bringing in this uh, 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 window, Dakar. Patson, Dakar. Of course, they've got Kalechi Iheanacho at the club. Yeah. How involved are you with the strategy when it comes to succession planning? Yeah. Right? And, and, and again, a prime example is, right, let's, 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 let's you know, keep it real. Aubameyang is now 32. We have... Lacazette, who's 30. So they're now getting to the, the final stage or the latter stages of their careers. Yeah. How, how do you, what part do you play in navigating succession planning in terms of now bringing through players through the, the youth team and, and, and those conversations with Edu and, and Arteta? Yeah, we have actually a template that describes the whole succession planning within the club from first team over to transition loan players to 23s to 18s to actually 16s you know from scholarship up we have a scale of players that we have through with with gradings from ourselves how we see them so I think the first thing Edu does is if he has a, a vacancy he looks to the academy he looks down the list so mm-hmm. in terms of strikers yeah obviously you have 
Obama Young, Balogun, Nketia. Then we have players on loan, uh, Muller. We have Tyrese John Jules. We have Kayon mm. Edwards. We have Billy Viger. We have Amani Richards. Um, we have Khalil Green. So you have all the latter from first team to 18s, basically now. I just, just set them where we have a template and where we work on. So I just worked this morning on succession planning, you know, updating su mm. succession planning, that Edu has the best possible information in terms of when there's a vacancy up there, what do we have from behind? What do we have in the academy? What mm. do we have on loan? So we want to keep it as balanced as possible that we are in a good position to whatever we need within the first team that we can, um, that we can, you know, that I, I am in a position where he doesn't need to look out to the market, you know, where we have seen a player building up, you know, towards this moment when Pierre-Emerick goes out at some stage mm. that we have an option available. And then obviously it is, is about the decision. If it's the academy option, do we have other options? Do we have the money? I mean, mm -hmm. we, we are succession planning is um, probably something that, um, yeah, I'm obviously heavily involved because I need to give input. Yeah. If I don't give input, then people don't have the knowledge. So I need to constantly be someone mm -hmm. who gives input. And how do you know when a player is ready for the first team? Yeah, <laughs> You know, the, the good thing about, you know, the, the, the model is now that we're not going to just rely on our 23s games and scoring 20, 25 goals, you know. The transition from, you know, academy to adult football is, is a big, there's a big gap actually, you know, um, that we have to fulfill. So we're looking at the 23s league as max, maximum, depends if available, one season. That it, it is it, you know, and then there is, now where we kind of explore the loan market more and more, where we need to expose players to, yeah, 25 to 50 games minimum, you know? And then mm -hmm. you see role models like Chelsea, then you see Reese James, and you see Mason Mount that played 50-plus games, Tammy Abraham, and they look just different, you know? When the pressure moments at the Emirates kicks in, you know? You don't recognize yourself anymore because these are the moments when... Yeah, when you want to look comfortable, but all of a sudden, the ball is jumping away. is <laughs> <laughs> that burden. We, we need to take that away as much as we can. But we, if we just support, just if, if we just think that 30 games in the 23s league will prepare him for that moment, we, that's that not right. You know, We need to make sure that they have men's games in their legs to basically you know, are not overwhelmed by these moments, you know, where the tempo's up, the heat is on, the pressure is straight away there, and um, they want to make a straight impact, and all of a sudden, the ball bounces different, I can tell you. The ball bounces different. <laughs> at training, oh, it bounces totally different. Yeah. You get on with that quickly and learn from it. So, yeah, transition, uh, loan market will be huge for us to prepare our players better for first-team moments. And, and on that, when they create their own pathway through the 23s to the loan market, you know, they can go step by step really into to, to reach that Premier League level because ultimately, yeah, I, I need it until 26, 27, you know, as a centre-half, you know. Some centre-halves, they need to probably go through the leagues, League 2, League 1, Championship and be in a position, build themselves selves up their profile uh, to be in a position to be regarded um, as one of a future Arsenal player. So it's a huge well
That was very insightful. Mm. Well said. I wanted to ask you about your time as obviously assistant coach to Freddie mm. Lundberg in 2019, where obviously Arsenal are probably on the back of a low ebb in terms of the atmosphere in and around the club. Um, obviously, Unai Emre was sacked. There was a lot of stories that came out about things that were happening in the dressing room. And obviously, you're still there at the club. So how would you sort of compare that sort of environment to what we're seeing with Arsenal now? Yeah, totally different. I mean, I, I was overwhelmed, you know, by the fact all of a sudden being back, you know, on the sidelines. And um, I just wanted to support Freddie. He wanted me to support him, you know, just be someone around the players, around the staff. Um, I mean, we did the job of, I think, five or six people, basically, you know, for three weeks. And you could you could see that it was a little bit too much. And um, and I w- I'm really grateful for that experience and for the trust that Freddie had in me or the club had in me, basically, to kind of um, get through these tough moments. I've tried to just be myself, be really calm, you know, ex- you know, being, being exposed into that situation and, and be myself, be, be a leader, you know, when change happened, you got to stay composed and be be someone who who just stands there, be present. That's what I wanted to do. What it, what I wanted to provide. I had some responsibilities in terms of set pieces that helped me as well to develop myself and, and my game and what I want to achieve. You know, in, in in my career, that was really insightful. But I would say that was pretty hectic. You know, that so was is a it something hectic that makes time. you want to go into coaching more or. No, let's let's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let, actually. I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I've tried to um, be reminded, you know, how it was as a player. But obviously, to, to be there, to see it, uh, it was a pretty hectic environment. And obviously, the expectation, who is next? And obviously, Freddie being in a mix. So, no, that is totally different now. And I would, I would argue that um, there is, you know, a level of consistency now. And if we believe in that, consistency then uh, we are in a much better position I think final one from myself and you know there was a decision earlier on in the year which I call a footballing catastrophe where the big four clubs in England decided to join the European Super League and I know you're a footballing man that wouldn't have sat well with you because I know you you're a man of morals and then man of leadership <laughs> and you're all about the fans so what did you think of that decision when the clubs you know decided to join it yeah, <laughs> that was a very quick turnaround, actually. I think it was announced on a Sunday and was, and I think we went out of it on a Tuesday. If I, if I, co- if I collect this correctly, it was a quick turnaround. And I was just happy that people just admitted, okay, th- this was a mistake and l- let's go out again. I think, um, I think that's how I want to leave it because I, I, I didn't f- feel it. I, you know, you know, as something happens and you, you, you don't feel it, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel it. And um, yeah, I think it's something that we as a club wanted to correct pretty quickly because we, again, underestimated something which we cannot underestimate, you know, that is um, the beauty of, of the game and the fans and what it means. So you don't underestimate that fact. So I'm, I'm pretty happy that it was gone fairly quickly. And yeah, the whole scenario, I, I couldn't get my head around it and I didn't feel it. Yeah, in terms of Arsenal, for me, they've always been a sort of club of tradition and 
you know, over the past year or so, we've seen key figures in the club like Francis Kagigal, who came onto the platform, you know, a key man in scouting players. We see him, him leave. We also saw um, Steve Bold leave the football club as well. And, you know, ex-players like Jack Wilshere came out and sort of called the decision a joke. Do you think Arsenal still have that identity that endeared them to the world? Or do you believe they've just become another football club, a, a commercial entity? Um, no, you have to work on that identity every single day. You know, that's what my job is. You know, I'm, I'm not uh, someone that, you know, we, we need to learn, obviously, from, from history and from, from the tradition and what, what that has done to the club is magnificent. But I want to move forward as well, you know, and want to work on that identity to keep repeating what, what I do and what I say every single day. And um, that's why things happen sometimes. New leaders come in, decisions are made for, for some or the other reason, you know, that, that, that's what happens. And ultimately in the world, everyone has got an opinion and is free to say it. Um, and, but the leaders that drive the change, obviously, you know, they, they need to stick with it and, and stand by the, the, the changes that they make. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, probably, I'm probably guilty of that. But what I can say is that, you know, I, I want to own, you know, the identity in Arsenal driving forward. That is what, what I want and that's that's how I base my decisions on. So, yeah. And we, we cannot always comment on every single social media comment, yeah, you know, I would fair. say. Yeah. And um, that's why, you know, I, I work to the best of my ability for Arsenal Football Club almost 24-7, I would say, to make sure <laughs> that you know, we, we can create something here that, you know, that people will remember. Um, but just living off that, you know, of that past and that transition is, is not good enough, in my opinion. Mm. 100%. Now, of course, Per, we're, we're going to, you know, wrap it up very, very uh, shortly. But in this time that we've spoken to you, we've spoken to Per, the football player, Per, the academy manager. What we want to do is finally speak to Per, the husband and, and father. So what, what are your interests away from, away from the game when you're not crunching numbers and, and, and holding training sessions and... Yeah. You know, having meetings. What What do you enjoy doing in your spare time? Yeah, I've got a lovely family. I've got three boys actually, ten, seven, and one. So you can you can almost say that they need me. You know, they need me every single day. And when I get home, and sometimes I get home very very late, and I don't see them, um, they recognize that. Yeah, that daddy works hard. Yeah, that daddy works hard with a purpose. So yeah, I want to be a role model in that sense. But obviously, I want to take care of, of their development and, and I'm needed there as well. So my, my wife does a hell of a job, you know, with the three boys. And um, when I'm not at Arsenal, uh, I love a bit of basketball sometimes. Um, you put the height for it. <laughs> yeah, I would probably be, yeah uh, be a point guard probably. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Only a point guard, you know, in, in, in the game of basketball. I, I love to watch that. Um, LeBron James is a key figure that does everything he can, you know, to to sustain a, a phenomenal career. That is a, that is a role model that I look up to, and then um, pretty much family life every single day and trying to be best possible person, you know, in that yeah. environment. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Can't say it any better, man. Yeah. <laughs> that is the perfect. the perfect way to to close this this session. Per, it's been an absolute pleasure. 
I'm sure you know you guys will agree that it's oh. it's been really really good and really insightful. Thank man. you, yeah. For, yeah, yeah. Thank yeah, you for being so open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Honestly, yeah. we really do appreciate. Yeah, it. We, we expect nothing less from the BFG. And I know certainly that a lot of Arsenal fans, in particular, I mean general fo- football fans, mm. but Arsenal fans will really appreciate the insight and you know the detail that you were willing to to go into um, for us. You know. Uh, we thank you very, very much, Per. So we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much to all of you guys that have tuned in up until this point before we sign off. Just a reminder, if you're not yet following us on Twitter, it's at podcast underscore TBG and on Instagram at pod underscore TBG. And you can watch all of our interviews and and podcasts on uh, YouTube as well. If you're not yet subscribed, please hit that subscribe button. Just look below now. It's just belief this video. Yep, there you found it. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button and make sure you're stay tuned for all of the new content that we've got coming. Stay tuned, guys. Big uh, things to come. Have I forgotten anything nope, else, Doc? All, all, all covered everything? All yeah. right. Until the next episode, guys, over and out. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.